like to thank uh, Nate and guys again for the series this summer and the opportunity to learn probably more than speak. Um, anytime you have to present something or teach something, you usually learn ten times more than what you're presenting because God speaks to your heart, hopefully, and you are digging into his word, which is where we really only get true knowledge. So, um, this section has moved on. If you remember previously, they broke down into three sections. The section we have moved into now <clears throat> is go and be reconciled. So, this first section here is talking about forgiving as God forgave you. Now, we know that is a tall order. That is, you know, something that a lot of people have to do daily. Receiving forgiveness, giving forgiveness, um, stepping up, taking accountability for things. So, as we move through this, um, his main verse is Colossians 3.13 for this particular chapter. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. Then he finishes strong. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Um, so, you know, those who understand and have gone through Scripture and see what everything that has taken place in God's forgiveness of our sin, when we go to Him with repentance, that stands as a very tall order. Um, I'm not going to go through all the scripture references that he gave in the chapter, but there are a ton. Um, I do advise, if you would like, go get the book. Um, it's also on audiobook for those that may not like to read. You can listen to it. Same thing. Um, you may have to look some stuff up because he doesn't always cover every verse in the audiobook as far as reading it out loud. But, <clears throat> so, we cannot do forgiveness alone. If we try to do it of our own strength, that's not going to work. We're going to run out of gas. We're not going to have the right answers. We're not going to have the right attitude or heart condition. Um, so we as Christians have to remember that we are the most forgiven people in the world. Our sin goes beyond anything that we would have done to someone else. The grievance that we have done to Christ to God is beyond any lie we may have told somebody or end of a bargain that we didn't keep up or whatever. Um, if you remember with David, with his scenario with Bathsheba, who did he speak to first? Anybody? God. God. He said, I have sinned against you. Um, it doesn't say he went to her and said, oh, I ruined your life and I killed your husband and now we've got this situation. He immediately, after being called out, went and confessed that to God. <clears throat> That's what we have to keep in mind as we go through our lives. Yes, we offend others, but we also, front and center, have offended God. So <clears throat> he gives a little bit of a story at the beginning of the section about a couple where one of them was unfaithful. And they did not end up in divorce, but they got together, they got some counseling. I don't know if it was biblical counseling. He didn't say. 
But they had reconciled at least verbally. But the husband came to him later and said, I'm still having a problem with this. He said, I, there's still things that come up in my mind every day, you know, or if they say this, this immediately comes to mind, or I see this and I start questioning things. He said, it's actually worse now than it was while it was happening. And so as they got into it, he realized it was more of a shallow forgiveness it was sort of a, they went through several sessions and they, they talked it out. But, you know, the one party had forgiven the other, but they were not working to get back to a good point in the marriage. And so now the husband was actually worried that the wife, because they had not shared intimacy or anything for almost a year, I think it was, he was afraid the same thing was going to happen and somebody was going to go look for something outside of the marriage. So he actually did some counseling with Mr. Sandy and worked through it because in the process, the statement that was made was the husband had told the wife, I forgive you, but I can't be close to you. So that created a problem. So... He took that point and ran with it and said, well, what if that's the way God replied to us? What if you ask God for forgiveness for something, and then, you know, you hear it, say God speaks to you directly, you hear that voice, and he goes, you know, okay, I forgive you, but I can't be close to you. I'm sorry that, you know, I cannot reconcile with you in the way and have the relationship that we should have. That would be a problem. You would wonder whether or not you had been forgiven at that point. So with forgiveness, he goes into, you know, you have to be all in. It's not just a, and there's a quote a little bit later where, you know, sometimes you get a little flippant and just say, oh, don't worry about it, whatever, whatever. We'll get to that. Um, but <clears throat> the forgiveness that he gave in that situation was a shallow forgiveness. That is not what we're looking for when we're talking about the forgiveness that God gave us or the forgiveness that we're supposed to show to others. Um, <clears throat> so, in order to get to this point, and, you know, it says we cannot do it alone. If you go back and look, um, it takes a transformation. we got to go back to Romans 12, too. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So if we're not in that position where we're renewing our mind through Scripture, where we're in prayer, where we're having you know, that conversation with God drawing closer and closer, like Jeff's example earlier, you know, that anchor is tied in and we're drawing to that foundation, we're going to have a hard time forgiving someone of just our own volition. That's not really going to happen in the way it should be. Um, Matthew 6, 12, he also refers to forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. When you look at that, you go, okay, I think I can do that. But then you stop and you really look at it and go, okay, so things that I have not truly forgiven others of is that the way I want God looking at me so you know again we have to be all in with this it's not just a <clears throat> flippant here or there statement so 
jumping into sometimes it's a good idea to understand what something is not in order to have a better understanding of what something is. So what forgiveness is not. Um, it's not just a feeling, you know. It's an act of will involving decisions. You can choose not to forgive someone. And, you know, we could probably think of a lot of scenarios where that has happened. Hopefully not in our lives, probably. But, you know, you have to actively make that choice to forgive someone. It's not in, you know, what you call human nature to apologize, per se, or to just say, okay, I was completely wrong. Now, when you get to the point where you do say that, now you are progressing toward the forgiveness that we're looking for, that level. Um, forgiveness is not forgetting. You guys have heard that you know, probably a thousand times, forgive and forget. Forgetting is more of a passive thing. It can happen over time. You know, and I'm not saying I'm old, but there are things that in my life, in the last 52 years, I have forgotten. Not by choice, but because as we get older, we forget things. Forgetting, you know, being passive is not showing, like the first part, making a decision. You know, if you could choose to remember everything, most people would. Um, maybe not the bad stuff, you know, you're picking and choosing here. But um, so forgiving is an active situation involving conscious choice and deliberate action. You know, if you remember, Scripture tells you, if you remember an offense with your brother as you are bringing your offering, what do you do? Go to him. That is going and approaching is an active scenario. So it has to be a deliberate, conscious choice. Um, forgiveness is not excusing. Now, if you remember a couple of chapters ago, it said, you know, yes, you can overlook small things. Certain, you know, things that aren't really going to make that big of a difference. Don't blow it out of proportion, whatever. You can let that go. You can, and there's a phrase that he uses a little bit later we'll get to that you can kind of absorb some of the situation and and hopefully not let it affect the way that you are interacting with that person so you know when somebody does something you say oh well that's okay or they couldn't help it the problem with that is <clears throat> there was something there you know, the fact is the forgiveness is needed and granted indicates that someone did something wrong or potentially inexcusable. Now, you can choose to excuse it if it's something, you know, minute, small, but it may be something that needs to be taken care of or a repetitive situation where they are constantly doing this. So then you have to have a, a deeper conversation. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, for. What forgiveness does not do. So, it does not remove consequences of the actions done or words said. So, if somebody makes a mistake, intentionally or unintentionally, you still will have consequences. Even if that is just the hard conversation that you have to have with someone. You know, we see scripture in Numbers. God forgave the Israelites, but they still were not able to go into the promised land consequences for the actions that they had previously done. Um, I'm sure we can think of a hundred examples in our life 
where we did something and then even though we may have gone to the point where we reconciled with someone, there were still consequences. Maybe somebody lost a job. Maybe, you know, somebody it caused a car accident, something like that, where there were consequences, and sometimes those consequences can go on for years. It just depends. Rick? We've noticed over the years that we're training our kids that sometimes it's really hard to uh, communicate that you generally forgive your child for what they did wrong, and yet still impose consequences. Yeah. <clears throat> Challenged by neither one worse than the other. And that ties right along with Scripture. When you have unrepentantness in your heart, your conversation, your communication with God gets disrupted. You're, you're not on the same wavelength. So, you know, why would that not? Like you said, that works the same way with your human children, siblings, so on. Um, with David, God forgave David, but he still had to suffer the consequences of the actions in 2 Samuel. You know, David did all kinds of stuff. But then, you know, we know he wasn't able to build a temple. He had a firstborn that died. You know, things like that. Just because forgiveness is given does not necessarily preclude that consequences will not follow. Um, <clears throat> so, let's see. Another thing that forgiveness is not is an approval of sin. So when someone sins against you, sins against God, of course, you know, there is a debt created. That's why Christ had to go to the cross for our sin, for our debt that we could not pay. Um, however, while Christ paid the debt, if they have sinned against you, part of those, you know, part of that is owed to you in some instances. So that's why you feel animosity. That's why you don't want to talk to them. That's why maybe you go for weeks and never, you know, you used to go by and talk to them all the time. They did something. Now you don't stop by the office. You don't even make eye contact going down the hall, whatever. You're holding that. You're punishing them for upsetting you. Not the best scenario to be in. So. You have a choice, and this is where we get into what he calls um, taking and making payments. You have a choice. You can take a payment or you can make a payment. Now, as he goes through here, they had a, you know, a decent list in the chapter. It said taking a payment is when you are withholding forgiveness. Um, you know, you've got that chip on your shoulder, that grudge is there. Um, Dwelling on the wrong. You know, when you wake up in the morning, the first thing on your mind is what they said or what they did or what they didn't do. Um, so, you know, that's, that's now living, as they say, rent-free in your mind, and it's controlling every other thought along the way. One of the things in the driver's ed class that we go through when we're talking about stuff like road rage is it's contagious. You know, if I cut off Mark... He's going to get upset. Well, guess what? He's probably going down the road and cut off somebody else, and then the next thing you know, you cut off the wrong person and you got all kinds of problems. Dwelling on the wrong creates collateral damage to the people around you. Um, 
I may have no grievance at all with Jeff, but Nate completely ticked me off, and my, the rest of my day is with Jeff, and I respond inappropriately to him. Now, that may mean I'm going somewhere else looking for another job, but... IT guy ticks it off. IT guy ticks it off. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> but it becomes an issue where you are now creating scenarios that you may have to go back and ask forgiveness for people that were never involved in the original issue. So you don't want to be dwelling on what happened all the time. Um, being cold or aloof, like, okay, well, they made that mistake. I would have never made that mistake, but they did it to me. I'm better than them. Okay, that's not going to work either. You know, your pride's kicking in, and then the next thing you know, God's going to send something to knock you down a couple of notches. Um, giving up on the relationship. Now, that can be tricky, especially if it's someone you're around all the time. Definitely if it's a spouse. I mean, that's, you know, hopefully, you know, I know... All you guys in here this summer, we've been talking about this. I'm sure the forgiveness level in here is way up here. You know, by this point in the summer, everybody's good. Um, but, you know, you can't give up on that. Again, you go back. It's always a good idea to plug this in. Well, how would I feel if God did this to me? You know, if he gave up on the relationship that he wants to have with me, I'm, I'm done. So we have to take that perspective and look at it with others as well. Um, inflicting emotional pain. You know, doing something to make them angry because they made you angry. Um, gossiping. That's, you know, that's a great option there because now you're festering that discontent with others. And on occasion, you may have someone that has had a situation with the same person and they're like, Oh, yeah. Well, maybe I should be mad at them, too, because you're just creating more problems. Seeking revenge. Now, that one, that one's active. That one you are planning in your head to go back and do something that you think will make it even. Now, everybody in here pretty much has had an opportunity to deal with other people, children in specific but, for instance, and I tell some of the high school guys, I'm like, you know, somebody does something to you, and you go back to do something to them, is it usually on an even level, or are you usually trying to one-up somebody? You know, because you've had to suffer, so you want them to suffer. It usually becomes a one-up. So, seeking revenge is never the option either. So, that is taking a payment. That is feeling like you are doing things to get even and justify, you know, getting back at them for what they did to you. Making payments, top of the list, forgiving. Going, talking about it, getting it ironed out, reconciling. Um, you can bear the effects over time. Again, some of these situations may have a long consequence. It may be months, it may be years if there was physical injury. Um, fight the memory. Um, one of the things that he said he did with a gentleman that had severely offended him was he would wake up every morning trying to figure out how to change the situation, but he wasn't necessarily looking about forgiveness. He was constantly dwelling on what this guy had done. 
So he would pray first thing in the morning every time this guy's name came up. He said after a week, he actually had no problem with the guy. He had gone to him at that point. God had changed his heart toward this individual to the point where every time that guy's name came up, he either said something good about him or took a minute and prayed for him that he would have a, a good day, better day, whatever. Um, speak graciously of that individual. At first, it's probably going to be tough. Um, hopefully, it's something that you can move toward. So if somebody else is saying something derogatory or negative, you can actually say, yeah, but he's a really good whatever, organizer, dad, so on, so on, whatever. So you start getting that mindset. Tearing down the wall is making progress, making that payment. You're bringing down whatever that situation is between you so that communication can take place. You know, Usually, and the visual that comes to mind with that is when you have the wall between you, if you remember the way... Um, and maybe Ben or some of these history guys can correct me. But a lot of times communication over the wall was shouting. So that's not necessarily the way you're going to bring the situation back to a good point is shouting at each other. So tearing down the wall lets you sit together, communicate in peace. Um, and sometimes you may have to just endure the consequences, whether it's emotional or physical, until... You know, if you've talked to them and they still aren't quite to that point where they're asking for forgiveness, repenting of whatever that was, then you may have to carry that baggage for them for a while. Um, decisions to and when to forgive. So, and I'll, I'll put this on there, getting a little greeky here. Um, and anybody want to pronounce that first one for you? Is it aphemia? I don't know. Is it aphemia? Okay, Google Translate, you know, can only tell you so much, and they're not always bad. Um, but just say it with confidence. Just say, yeah, just throw it out. Okay, well, I should have done that with the first one, not the second one. The second was rough. Second was a lot worse. Um, but Matthew, Romans, through there, the translation there is to let go, release, pardon, or remit. So at this point, you know, and and I'm not a Disney guy, but you got to let it go. Um, debts, are, debts can be paid or canceled in full according to, if you go back and look up these references, it talks about absolving any problem, absolving any debt owed. Um, moving into the next one, Kurosamiya. Sounds more Italian, but bestow favor freely and unconditionally. So now you've brought yourself into a situation where you are favorably interacting with this individual. Forgiveness, you know, is undeserved and cannot be earned. We know that, especially, you know, knowing that we cannot earn the forgiveness that we've been given from Christ. So, ideally, the repentance should proceed with, you know, should have forgiveness. Um, Minor offenses can be, you know, overlooked, even if they're not expressly repented to you. That's where you're making and taking payments and carrying some of this weight until hopefully it comes to a point in their heart where they realize that they wronged and the repentance needs to come. Um, however, if it's serious, you still, even after approaching them, 
or before you approach them, during this process, you have to have an attitude of forgiveness. You have to go into the conversation ready to forgive them, being ready to grant forgiveness upon their repentance. You may approach them about this situation. They may not be aware that they even did anything that offended you. But, you know, you're having a hard time with this and you notice it's affecting certain things. Um, they may know that they did offend you and they don't care. But as you're having that conversation, as you're working through this situation, you have to go into it as if you are already forgiving them. You have to have that mindset. It's not like, oh, well, give me a couple days and let me... Let me think back through your apology and see if it was good enough. That's not the way it worked. Um, so, four promises when forgiveness is given. And this goes back to having your mind in the right place and ready when that time comes. And they say, you know what, I completely was unaware of that. Or, you know what, after I thought about it, I really should have came back and said something to you sooner to get this settled because I can tell, A, it bothered you and it's continued to bother me. And, you know, in my heart, I've done this and said that and it's just not where we should be. So four promises that should be in your mind when forgiveness is taking place is if I'm the offended party, I'll not dwell on the incident. I'm not going to wake up every morning and figure out how to get even. I'm not going to let that fester in my heart, in my mind, and affect all these other situations that I'm going to be a part of that day. I'm not going to bring it up again and use it against you. I'm not keeping tabs, you know. Um, he had another little paragraph or so in there about a husband and wife, and he said they came to counseling, and the wife said, my husband, when we start to talk about stuff, he's absolutely historical and he looked at her and goes you mean hysterical she goes no historical he remembers every single thing that I did wrong since the day we got married and he brings it up in almost every argument so we cannot be historical we have got to let it go you're not going to use it against them they're coming for forgiveness that's the point we need to be moving forward I will not talk to others about the incident. That goes back to the gossiping at the bottom. You know, sometimes we, you say you feel better when you unload it and let it go. But the problem is you're creating a situation where you may or most likely you're going to have to go ask for forgiveness from the person that offended you because of what you are telling and doing to, with others about them. Um, I'll not let the incidents stand between us or hinder our personal relationship. So when they ask for forgiveness, that's your jumping off point. Now, you say it's hard to come back to where you were, but that's where we're supposed to be. We're supposed to come back. And actually, now you have a shared experience where you can grow from that to actually have a friendship that's even closer because you have now shown Christ and seeing how that forgiveness actually works. Um, you don't have that with everybody. You probably don't want that with everybody if you have to have a serious conflict at the front end, but that's where we need to be when they come and repent and we offer them the forgiveness. 
if we go back to where we were, Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we were sinners, so we were a hardcore offender, bad as it gets, Christ died for us. He took the action. He took the step before we even thought about asking for the forgiveness. That's the place where we have to move to in order to forgive as God has forgiven us. Um, biblical forgiveness is our obligation. Forgiveness has been given to us. <clears throat> Four, if you forgive other people for their offenses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you, Matthew 6, 14. And then there's several others, 18, 2 Corinthians 2, 17, 4, 32. Um, continually forgive those who have wronged you from personal liability to you. Again, a lot of things can be overlooked. Some things you're going to have to be a little more confrontational, but... If you look back, um, for instance, our guy Joseph, um, now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me ahead of you to save lives. That also goes in in the other verse concerning his situation. If you remember, you know, what you meant for good, for bad, God used to his glory at that point. So, that's the mindset we need to be in as we move through our day. Because we're going to run into people that are, you know, are not going to make you happy or not going to say what you want to hear, whatever, whatever. Also make sure we're not the one that is going to have to go be the one to ask forgiveness. Um, overcoming unforgiveness. So, you know, they came to you and they said, oh, man, I'm sorry. I probably shouldn't have said that. That was wrong. Um, they may be sincere. Hopefully it's a longer conversation than that. But if you're having trouble with being forgiven, you say, okay, yeah, man, I'm sorry, I forgive you, you know, and then you just go on. And then you wake up the next morning and it's still hammering in the back of your head. And then you see him in the hallway and that's the first thing that triggers. And, you know, as you're moving through Sometimes it's not a bad idea to go back and confirm repentance, you know, clearly and specifically. Not just a flippant, sorry, I shouldn't have done that. Um, talk through it a little more. Get kind of to a little the root of that issue. Renounce sinful attitudes and expectations. You know, we can't feel like they have to earn our forgiveness. You know, that, that moves you into a works-based anything. And we know that's not the way Scripture tells us forgiveness has worked. Um, forgiveness is based on repentance and does not come with guarantees. They may do the same thing again tomorrow that set you off last week. So you have to be ready. Reset. Here we go again. Jump back into it. Talk it through. Hopefully at some point they'll come to the realization that this become a, became a chronic situation that they're constantly doing and they may be doing it to other people and it's a beautiful opportunity for you to glorify God in handling the situation well so that you are an example to those who may not handle it well and then they'll come to you and say hey okay I saw what he did to you or saw heard what he said to you he did the same thing to me and I'll tell you what the last two weeks I haven't said three words to him I've done everything I can to make his job harder and I pull up behind him too close in the parking lot so he can't get out. I mean, just, you know, 
They're, they're working their mind, making them earn that forgiveness. That, again, you know, that's a great point for us as a Christian to show how Christ forgave us and be that example so that it gives you an opportunity to be a witness to those that are handling the situation incorrectly. Um, assess your contribution to the problem. This was part of another chapter. You know, lack of understanding, careless words, impatience. Um, failing to respond in a loving and appropriate manner may have aggravated the situation any, you know, worse. It may have started off as something that was simple and easy and you could have forgiven, you know, without too much problem. But the way that you contribute to that is impatience. What did you say in reply? So that ramps it up another notch. Um, recognize that God is working for good. Again, this may be the situation, you know, if you're having a hard time forgiving, look for how God may use this for good. How can we glorify God in this situation? Serve others, serving them, you know, not letting that come between you and doing something nice or just in general, it's sometimes just for them, anything. Um, what sin or weakness of yours is being exposed for the sake of your growth? Maybe you're the one that is in this situation, God's like, okay, you need to grow a little bit here. And so now you're in this situation, let's, let's see how you handle it. Um, remember God's forgiveness. That's the one that always becomes very humbling. When you think of every single thing every day that we have done that caused Christ to have to go to the cross for us, somebody cutting you off in traffic is nothing. Somebody, you know... And depending on, you know, you go look at different scenarios, forgiving someone, um, there's a story that we have in class, and there was a kid that was drag racing, and he killed the mother, the new mother and wife of this family that was in the town. And they were a Christian family, and the dad at the courthouse, after the kid was sentenced for the vehicular manslaughter went up to this kid and completely hugged him, completely forgave him, and had an opportunity to witness to this 18-year-old kid who just a couple of months earlier had killed his wife and newborn child. I mean, that, that is a level that a lot of people probably would never get to. I mean, to do it, and that soon. It was just a couple of months after. Most people, you know, you're thinking, you're going to stew on that the rest of your life. But he took the proper approach, talked to the kid, offered the opportunity for reconciliation there, which, which is huge. Um, so draw on God's strength. True forgiveness depends on God's grace. Ask him to change our heart, my heart, and rely on his grace. Again, we've been shown a truckload of grace and mercy. We need to be ready to unload that to every situation, showing that same amount of grace and mercy. So pursuing uh, reconciliation. Allow the opportunity to demonstrate repentance and regain trust. We need to make a deliberate effort to restore and strengthen the relationship. It's not, okay, we're good now, and then you're like, three notches back from where you were. You really need to pick it up from where it was and move forward. Crank it up a couple of notches. I'm not saying they got to be your best friend, but 
do not continue to treat them the way you may have treated them the first week or so right after the wound was still fresh. Um, <clears throat> replace thoughts of what happened with prayer for them. It's like I mentioned to him and the other, this other guy. Be thankful for their good qualities. Ask God to change your heart and help remove the offensive thoughts. Uh, Luke 6, 27-28, But I say to you, <coughs> excuse me, to who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who are abusive to you. That's hard to do. Somebody mistreats you, the last thing, when your prayer takes place, it's not going to be loving, per se, um, as it should be. Finally, brothers, Philippians 4, 8, and you see this a lot. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, lovely, commendable, if there is any excellence and anything worthy of praise, think on these things. If we fill our mind with that, there's no room left for the condemnation of somebody that offended you. You are in a place where you are going to respond appropriately. Um, pursuing uh, reconciliation in word, speak well of them, express appreciation, emphasize their redeeming qualities. If you remember, Paul found out about a member in the church in Corinth who had recently repented of a serious sin, and he told the members, forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. When it hits them what they have done, they could be an... A situation where, you know, as the world would say, they might become extremely depressed in the way they have been treating others when they come to the point where they realize that. Forgiving them is one step, but you also need to comfort them and make sure they don't dip. Help lift them up. Be encouraging. You know, go by, make sure they're okay. See how they're doing. Um, indeed, I love this one. It says, little children... Let us not love with word or with tongue, but deed and truth. We've got to be doers. C.S. Lewis had an interesting little quote. says, don't waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. As soon as we do, <coughs> excuse me, as soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you are behaving as if you love someone, you will presently come to love them. And then uh, finishing up, says, loving actions can do more than change your feelings. They can communicate in unmistakable terms the reality of your forgiveness and your commitment to reconciliation. So, like they say, actions speak louder than words. I can tell you stuff all day long, but if I don't show you, you're not really going to believe me. Um, so, how much more should those of us who have experienced reconciliation with God be quick to demonstrate our forgiveness with concrete actions? So, again, and it goes, he finishes with the verse. Bear it with each other, forgive grievances you may have against one another, and forgive as the Lord forgave you. So, um, again, it's a tall task, and it's going to take a lot of work on our part, but if we're in the Word, if we're in prayer, if we're working with others, and maybe you've got somebody that you know, that has been through a situation and they handled it scripturally, biblically, talk to them. Find out, you know, how did you go about this? What did you do? Um, but, again, forgive as God has forgiven us. If you keep that at the front of the conflict, it will go a long way toward keeping you out of trouble. All right. Um, okay.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time that we can come today and just learn from your word, Lord. Pray that you would just help us to take the things that we hear from your word, Lord. Put them in our heart and just help us to be the doers that we should be. Help us to be that example. Give us the strength to not... Please remember to remove the not USB create, receiver when the presenter is... Not create conflict, but Lord, to just help settle those conflicts as we go through our day and our week. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen.